The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's American Express. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome. Happy to be back. Sorry, I uh, had to take the week off last week, but I'll tell you what. I, I have a proposal real quick before. I, sorry, this is all we're doing introductions. I, have I love proposal. a good proposal. I love a proposal. This is a proposal to the PGA Tour, so I'm speaking really to them. Let's make the cut. <laughs> after round three from here on out and i say that not from a, a golf purist standpoint but from a DraftKings standpoint it just seems like more fun you still have a sweat but it, the, the, there's not as much on the line i'm really enjoying making lineups this week i would prefer to cut 24 golfers after every round Ooh. first round cut 24 next round another 24 third round another 24 i don't know what that gets us down to 2448, eh, it gets us close. 54, maybe maybe a couple more than that. That's the way I want to go. Not bad. Mm. Greg, what's your suggestion to fix the PGA Tour? Well, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that it's broken. Um I'm I'm not sure the cut is the problem. Um I don't mind it. I think they have good reasoning. I mean, I, I haven't put a ton of thought into this because I don't think it's a huge issue. And I appreciate well. the suggestion. But I, I think you got it. The, there's a purpose to it. When when you're playing an event like this, which is great for DFS, although it does present some problems, you have three golf courses, and and so you only have one field on each golf course. When you play uh, like an event like we had last week at the Sony, you have one golf course. 100. And, uh, I don't know what the field was last week. 144, I think. But yeah. Usually in the usually in the uh, this time of year, it's 144. So you got a lot of people to get around the golf course in a in a very small amount of time when you're on three courses, it's a lot easier. It's like a single event shotgun. You got to get one wave through. Um, so that's why you can do it after three rounds, but we got to get to the weekend. We got to trim this down a little bit, let pace of play, get a little quicker, get rid of split tees. And I don't think on the weekend, I, I'm not a huge fan of split tees on the weekend unless there's a good reason for it. So um, I think I'm, I think I'm content to where it is. I, I think I like it. That's Greg Ducharme, by the way. Greg, new digs, baby. Getting settled it come, in. It, it's coming along. It's been a scramble. The whole house is a mess. Um, but it, we're getting there. So I, I hope to give you something a little nicer to look at. This is better than last night, no question. Um, but I hope that it, it only gets better from here. I spy Ray's Creek. I spy Tiger yep. Woods and yep. a caricature of what I assume to be you and your wife. Is that what I'm looking yes. at? <laughs> yes. Um, and so that's a great story. It's it's um, dated, believe it or not, 2016. And wow. it, it has been 
it was an early date of ours. We went to a fair. We got a caricature together. I, it's a hard word for me to say. Tell, so I'm not going <laughs> to try There's not again. nine syllables in the word. <laughs> I'm not going to try again. Okay. But uh, it, it was 2016, which is a long, it's a long time ago now. And, um, and we've been together ever since. So yeah, it's a special moment. And it was buried in her closet underneath like robes and things that were hanging there. And I, I said, I need to display that. That's got to get out in into my shot. So it's an easy thing to hang. And so I got it up there and um, and it's here to stay. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, we'll turn our attention, I suppose, to the American Express and the DFS implications of said tournament. I will share my screen. It's my website, rickrungood.com. Everything that you're watching on YouTube and as alluded to, gentlemen, not one, not two, three different courses in play this week. Sia, we've got the PGA West Stadium course. We've got La Quinta Country Club. We've got the Nicholas Tournament course. This is a, a wonky one because everybody's going to play one round at all three courses. Then they'll make the 54-hole cut and they'll return to the stadium course for the final round. It is wonky. And for the record, I was just kidding about the whole cut thing after round three. I, I no, just no, so no. happened. Don't, don't, ba- don't backpedal now. I know. <laughs> Once Greg scolded me, I was like, oh, yeah, no, he, I, I, I got to run away from this thing. He, he didn't going, quite get the, the feedback he was hoping for. So time to run. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So admit, the, wa- the wonkiness, by the way, I love the tilt of that right shoe over the left shoe in, in the, the back Ooh, left yeah. corner. Of, of That's the my golf shop experience right there. Yeah, that is a perfect tilt. You set that up perfectly. So the wonkiness, (laughs) the wonkiness of this tournament lends itself to me really embracing variants and really taking some dives. And I think that's why I had so much fun um, making lineups thus far. So, yeah, I mean, we got the we we are we talked about it a couple of times already. We got the three courses, uh, all three of which have similar dynamics in terms of, you know, par 72, approximately 7,200 yards. And, you know, the stadium course, I think, is going to be a touch more difficult. Outside of that, I, I I think this is just going to be another one of those you know, those scoring gems, right, guys? I like to take a little more risks in weeks like this, Greg, because if you miss the cut, you're only missing out on one round's worth of fantasy points. It's not as detrimental as missing out on two rounds. But to see his point about the scoring, I went back and looked this up. Last year, they only played two courses because we did not have the amateurs play well if you go back to 2020 that's the last time that we used the three course rotation all three of these courses greg were in the bottom six or i guess i'd call it the top six of easiest courses in fact the nicholas course was 40th out of 41st and la quinta was 41st out of 41st meaning those are the two easiest courses on the tour schedule it's it's really an amazing thing when you look at the courses i i can't speak as um as in detail about la quinta and the nicholas course but when it comes to the stadium course, the one they'll play twice, that is on Golf Digest lists of most difficult golf courses in the country. PGA right. West. Do you remember okay. when it opened and it was it was like you couldn't get a pros hated it. You couldn't get around it. Yes, and and the thing is, they um, they used to play Q School there. They still may. I'm not I'm not sure, but it was really difficult. The scoring when it was on the West Coast. At, at this the stadium course was way more difficult than most of the venues when it was on the east coast and it, it's just a, a really hard design in the golf course but now 
you're seeing tour guys tear it up because there's no wind and mm. the players are just so good when there's no wind it's it's really difficult to defend and then the other the amateurs pre- present another aspect to this where you you can't set up a pro am as difficult as you you need to get the rounds in so right. it, you you can't punish them with whole locations and um if if this was not an amateur event I mean, I could see a way where you could set some pins in more difficult places, but w- with no wind, these guys are just on attack mode. And in Palm Springs, if you've ever been there, it's like a dome and it's just, it, it is as pristine as it gets. So I agree with you guys. I like taking risks. I think you have to, I think everybody's risky because you have to make so many birdie. I mean, it might be gee, after three rounds. I mean, it could be a 10. What do you think the cut could be seven to 10 under? I don't think that's crazy. Well, oh, yeah, because the cuts. I was like, uh, because it's oh, three yeah. rounds. I was it's like, three what rounds. are you talking about? It's not going to be seven or ten. I'd be like, by far the the yeah. record. But no, you're right. Um, yeah, you're actually. It could be seven or ten under because you're going to get three rounds on what should be three fairly easy courses. So all of a sudden, you play one bad round as a. I, I don't think this is going to happen to John Rom, but but a guy you know a really really good player has an off day or two putting and they only shoot, you know, 68, 68, 69 fine rounds. And all of a sudden you're going home and you miss the cut and, and it, you kind of laugh at it. So, um, I, I do think this is a great week to take risks. It's a great week to take poppers. Um, and, and that's my, that's my strategy going into it. All right. We'll take a look at the cheat sheet here and the three at the top. Four at the top, apologies. Four golfers over $10,000, and I'm just trying to look up what the cut line was. Okay, last time we played three courses, so this was 2020, the cut was nine under. Nine under par. That's what you're looking at for your Saturday sweat. But it's John Rahm at 11,300, Patrick Cantlay at 10,900, Scotty Scheffler sneaking into the number three spot, 10,006, and Tony Finau at $10,200. See ya. I think there is a clear three out of four of these, and I'm happy to pay for them considering what I know about the bottom of the board and the risk that I'm willing to take on this week. But how do you break down this $10,000 range? Yeah, I think I know what three you're talking about. I, I think it's a clear two, and, and I, I think the the fourth guy in this range is going to be a pivot for me uh, that, that I, I'm hoping he's not too popular. I don't expect him to be. So I'm speaking in code, so let me just lay it out there. John Rahm, obviously. I mean, best golfer in the world. Uh, he should be able to attack and 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 destroy this course. Same with obviously Patrick Cantley as well. I mean, my preference between the two is going to be John Rahm. Um, obviously, both of them have really good histories here. Uh, these aren't the type of players where we really need to attack the metrics too much. The, I mean, both of these guys have unlimited upside. Well, let's attack the metrics a little bit here for a second because I've got the weighted strokes gained up. And this, again, is your raw strokes gain that takes into account strength of field amongst various factors. Looking at the last 100 rounds, Golfers in this field, clearly John Rahm, by far and away, number one player. Patrick Cantlay, very much in a tier of his own as the number two golfer. It's Scotty Scheffler, Greg, who's number three. He's been better than Corey Connors and Abraham Anser and Tony Finau and everybody else in this field, which it, it feel like I'm, I'm pretty convinced we've never been closer to a Scotty Scheffler victory than we are right now. Yeah, it's a it's a very good point. He's uh, um, a, a great player. He definitely has the ability to pop. Although I, I think he's a little deserves a little more credit than calling him a, a popper. 
but yeah, there has not, been a little yeah. bit of inconsistency. He, he's better than a popper, um, a very high end popper. Cause there's some, there's some volatility there. Um, and you know, he's, he'll, he'll have some streaks where it's a little lackluster and he, he's not on, uh, and, and look who is, but he's not on a, a John Rom, Patrick Cantlay kind of consistency, um, through his career at this point, but he has that ability to contend and he makes a ton of birdies. And, and that's the reason why I like him. The problem is I, I don't know if I can pass on Rom or Cantlay to play Scheffler. And the only reason is if Sia convinces me that ownership's going to be way too high on Rom and Cantlay. But so so maybe there's a play in a couple of lineups to get work Scotty Scheffler in and and fade Rom and Cantlay. And I guess that goes along with my my earlier model of um, really good players can miss the cut in an event like this just because scores have to be so low. Um, it's hard for me to do, but I understand the I understand the the game theory in in fading those two and going with a Scheffler. And I love the upside and I love the birdies that he makes. So I, I could, I could roll with that, but I, I prefer, I, I kind of go in order right there. The order that you're looking at Rom number one, my number one choice. If it's not Rom, it's Cantlay. If it's not Cantlay, it's Scheffler. Between John Rom and Patrick Cantlay, their last four combined trips to this event, they've got a win, a runner-up, a sixth, a ninth, a course record. Remember that uh, Patrick Cantlay last year tried to steal this thing away from Siwoo Kim, went nuts on Sunday, shot a 61, set the course record here. So certainly very, very top-heavy. See, I think you were kind of alluding to this, but correct me if I'm wrong. The odd man out here is Tony Finau. The odd man it's, out yeah. right, is, is the guy that, okay – Clearly, the three other guys in the 10K range and above are better golfers. That's not a knock against Tony Finau. We're talking about, you know, three of the top players in the world. And there's a plethora of names in the $9,000 range that most people are just going to move on from Tony Finau. Are, were you suggesting that he was going to be kind of your strong pivot at the top? Exactly. Uh, I think he's the odd man out. So at the top, I, I think, obviously, Rom Cantley and Scheffler, they're going to be more popular than Tony Finau. And then... If you if you don't for if for whatever reason you, you even moderately like Tony Finau, well you probably like Taylor Gooch or Sung JM a little bit more. So you're either going to go above Tony Finau or you're going to go below Tony Finau. When you when you actually look at Finau's numbers, like this is pretty bad, right? The the putter all of a sudden just kind of was bad, but that was during the fall swing. Like I I I think I'm willing over the break to to go back to his his older putting metrics. The problem is the other side of that chart. The approach before the putter was bad. The approach game was bad. But again, I I kind of want to take, especially early in the season, kind of a, a more global view of somebody's game. And I think if Tony Finau is low is is in low ownership, like let's say half or even maybe a third of the ownership of some of these other guys that are going to be popular towards the top, he seems like a great pivot when you consider the amount of birdies he makes. When you look at just DK points, just just looking at that metric, he's going to be inside the top 10, top 15 in, in all of those metrics that matter on this particular course. And then you can go to like real metrics like ball striking or tee to green. He's not like elite like Rom or Cantley, but again, you're playing a math game to some extent too. So yes, I'm going to have a lot of Rom more than anybody at the top, but I think Finau is a very interesting pivot. Finau is a pretty prolific fantasy scorer. He gains fantasy points to the field, meaning he scores more than the average in 70% of his starts. It's because, yeah, it's the birdie-making ability. Maybe sneak an eagle in there. It's, you know, of course, he might offset that with a couple of bogeys, but with the way that fantasy scoring is set up, it's highly advantageous to be a birdie-bogey guy instead of a par-par guy, and that's kind of what Tony Finau 
is. Okay, I mean, it's a small 10K range. Do we have anything else? I can bop us down. The nines are fascinating to me. I can't wait to get to the nines. I, I mean, I guess if it, lastly on the 10Ks, um, it, you don't really have a terrible choice here. If, yeah. if you're willing to take C as pivot, which is, uh, it's not a bad idea. Tony Fino can win this event. So I just, compared to the other three guys, he looks like the odd man out. So I totally get that. I, I don't think you can make a bad play, and uh, I'm I'm ready for the 9Ks. Okay, let's do it then. Sun J.M. leads us off at 9,900, fresh off his missed cut at the Sony Open, followed by Taylor Gooch. Seamus Power, a little bit of respect at 9,500 bucks. Corey Connors is 94. And then the bottom of the $9,000 range. Here we go. Matthew Wolf back in the field, 9,300. Abraham Answer, missed cut last week as well, 9,200. Will Zalatoris is 91. And the guy who lost the playoff, Russell Henley, is $9,000 this week. See, uh, I, wow, there's a lot here. There's a grab bag, guys that are playing well, guys that might be coming off of missed cuts, guys we haven't seen in a while. Unpack this for me, please. There's five guys in this range that I play on a very regular basis. Actually four, <laughs> but but Taylor Gooch is starting to get into that mix because uh, even I have to admit, this guy is elite like everybody, including you, uh, Rick and Greg, were saying about 12 months ago. So. Yeah, so it's Taylor Gooch, Seamus Power, Corey Connors, Answer, and Zalatoris. Those are the guys that, that I, I just generally lately have been liking uh, to play. Answer is starting to worry me a little bit. And, and I know the ball striking is still there with him. And I know, I, I believe last week it was the putter that failed him. But I also just kind of wonder about his win equity in general uh, relative to sort of the top of this field. Looking at the Century Tournament of Champions here, the Sony, I mean, it's not great. Even it's if you take great. the putter away, it's not great. So answer sort of like an, an easy one to kind of cross off the list there. I absolutely like Taylor Gooch, um, another great ball striker, and he can pop with the putter. And I think that's what we're looking for more than anything else. The other guy I really like, and I just mentioned five names, I X'd answer off. Um, Seamus Power, I don't know that I'm going to go back to him at this price. Who I do want to go to, though, is Will Zalatoris, because I think he mm. might be. And we'll have to, you know, monitor ownership, of course. But considering all these other popular names like Seamus Powers, Sung J.M., Taylor Gooch, I also think he might be the odd man out because he's such an unknown right now. But listen, we're, again, like I said with Taylor Gooch, we're looking for ball striking. We're looking for guys who can get hot with the putter. Now, Zalatoris had a stretch last year where the putter was really bad, but he started to bounce back here and there a little bit. And just considering his ball striking alone, uh, I, I just think he's a really good guy that might carry a little less ownership than he should. And then finally, Corey Connors, of course, speaking of ball strikers. Well, speaking of ball strikers, yes, what I'm showing on the screen right now is is weighted ball striking for the last 100 rounds. Some names you would expect. John Rahm, number one. Corey Connors, number two. Patrick Cantlay is number three. And then Will Zalatoris is number four. This is this 9K range is really offering you a lot of guys that would, quote, fit the model, fit the mold, be ball strikers, hopefully find a good putting week. So, Greg, how do you start picking and choosing? Because we're certainly not going to be able to roster six of these guys. No, and I wish you could. It, it's, a, it's a great range, and it's quite interesting. It's hard to make a decision here um, because, again, is Sung J.M. going to miss another cut in a row? It's Sung J.M. And, and Taylor Gooch feel like they're kind of going in the wrong direction for me, especially Taylor Gooch. Sung okay. J., I'm just a little uh, a little queasy on after the miscut. I mean, it's not like 
you know, he's a guy that builds into things. And and I know you've made that point before, Rick. So Seamus Powers, uh, power, excuse me. Seamus Power looks phenomenal. And and I love that re- the recent form that he's shown with yeah, a tied so fourth good. at the RSM, a tied 15th at Century, and a tied third last week. And and he's a really good putter. And I and I like that strength. And and then I like what Corey Connors has been doing too with the ball striking. And uh he hasn't, I believe, I don't believe he's played here. But I think this is just perfect. Don't Corey Connors and Dome Golf could completely light it up. So I, I, I mean, I, I think he's a guy who is squarely on my radar. Matthew Wolf is that. Yeah. That Let's have this great. conversation here with Matthew Wolf. Yeah, because I, I know his results here haven't necessarily been great, but he has played well in the desert. He's played well in Phoenix, um, and and he kind of stands out to me as a guy who is the epitome of what you're looking for in this kind of tournament. I, I would not be surprised if he just went out and completely lit it up. But uh, are you worried about his drive? Is he going to hit it in the desert too much? Or I'm know? still a little bit worried about the driver, right? Okay, so if you're watching on YouTube, I'm just rolling through basically every start of Matthew Wolf's career. And when he first comes out onto tour, onto the tour, he's gaining three and four and sometimes even close to five strokes off the tee. And then he kind of lost that. And when he got down into, um, you, know, you know, the the bottom of his game and then he took some time off, he was losing it with the driver. And he hasn't found it necessarily yet he's gotten better but he hasn't found it in the way that we would have seen but he's kind of tightened up the rest of his game which is kind of exciting and see a four consecutive top 17 finishes a runner-up at shriners which is a place you're gonna have to go super low at i mean he he I, i think i really like him this week and i think he's a guy that will be a bit polarizing um we haven't seen him in we haven't seen him since the houston open I think you're either a buyer or a seller on Matthew Wolf, and without really any recent form to to speak of, I think he's going to be a polarizing figure. Totally agree. So here's the thing. If you are willing to take, like, if you're going to pay for somebody uh, up top, like let's say a Cantley or a John Rum, you can only really roster one of these 9K guys in all likelihood, unless you're really dipping down low. And that's why I don't think I'm getting to him. But with that said, He's really kind of perfect for this tournament because, A, he's going to get three rounds. B, we know he's a birdie maker. I mean, looking at the last 50 rounds, birdie or better game, he's number five in this field. Uh, DK points, he's number seven. So he's he's kind of crushing it in, in those metrics. So you're getting the three rounds. I mean, still, with that said, I still kind of prefer him like in a showdown lineup more than anything. I think the problem for me is I like Corey Connors so much. And I like the unknown and perhaps the lower ownership of Will Zalator so much that I'm not sure I actually get there with Matthew Wolf. If somebody said, oh, I'm going to be rostering a lot of Matthew Wolf, I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. But I don't know if he's going to make it into my lineups. Even when Matthew Wolf was going through that stretch in the fall where he finished 17th runner-up, 5th and 11th, his ownership never got higher than 15%. Is there just a general hesitancy to roster Matthew Wolf? Is that what we're seeing? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's a few reasons. One, he's uh, he can be an inconsistent player, and there's also the the reason he stepped away. When you're dealing with mental health stuff, it's really hard to quantify. What I mean, that's in and and this is the talk in the sports world, right? That's an injury, and so he's dealing with a an injury in the mental health space, and that's hard to grasp. It's hard to understand what that means, and, and it's hard to understand when you're healthy again. And when you're not, 
when are you back? And then, and he's a player who's volatile anyway, whether he's healthy or not. So it's hard to deal with this. And I I think that has a lot to do with that. um, The hesitancy to own Matthew Wolf. But I I think this week, I, I, I kind of like being one of the few there. And and I think I've narrowed down this range, Rick. I want to know if you agree, but I think it's these three guys that are bunch Connors, Wolf and answer. I, I, and you could throw power in there too. Maybe it's those four, but I, I, the other guys, I have some question marks about. Yeah, answer's interesting because he hasn't played as well recently, but he's been great at this event. Wolf, I think, is super fascinating. Yeah, Con- I mean, listen, I, I like all of these guys. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of of Taylor Gooch as well. You know, I would probably my odd men out are probably Sungjae, which he's just the most expensive in the range. Um, mm-hmm. Seamus Power, as uh, trust me. I'm the biggest believer in Seamus Power, but generally when you get a significant price increase like this and he's in a range of other guys that I like, I can probably wait another week on Seamus Power. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably living Taylor Gooch, Matthew Wolf, Corey Connors-ish, and then Will Zalatoris is my fourth is probably the way I go. Okay, I like it. I mean, the thing with Will Zalatoris too, lastly, I guess, for me in this range – um, I have big questions about his putting ability. Sure. Um, I have major concerns. And at an event like this, that worries me. But he's a great ball striker, right? <laughs> right? And yeah. if you're going to embrace that, that volatility, yeah. you like I, I, I literally, deeper, Greg, I literally sell shirts that say team no putt. So I'm okay with that, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with, with embracing the fact that he can't yeah. putt. And it's just but it, I mean, it, it's, it's, when you watch it, it's concerning at times. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, so anyway, I'll, so I'll, I'll, hold, the, the only, the real sorry. quick, the only pushback there. And I totally agree about that. But if you look at his last in this, such a small sample size, but if you look at his last five tournaments, you know, he, he lost a couple in, in, in two of them, but he gained 3.9, 2.64 and then 3.8. So, and then before that, he was just a complete train wreck. So it, to me, it looks like, you're in a situation where maybe he's starting to figure something out with the putter. And if that's the case and nobody's really aware of it because he hasn't been on the radar, then all of a sudden he becomes a really good DraftKings player. Uh, I can't let us get out of this range without talking about the guy who finished runner-up last week. So we can be very, very quick here. Greg, are you buying or selling Russell Henley at the American Express? Oh, uh, he's missed the cut both times he's played here. He's missed and it a lot more than that. Yeah, he's been he's been pre- he's missed the last four. And his oh, best- has he play- okay? Has he played yeah. that many? Yeah, I, I saw only two. I might be mixing them up with somebody else. Um, his, but his best finish is like T forty nine or something. So it, it. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. For some reason. Oh, I know why. You know why, Rick? When I was looking, I had the uh, last three name. last three years on. Oh, last three years on. Yeah. yeah so I, I had it. Uh, that's why I only saw the last two missed cuts. But it, there it is. It's just it's even worse. It, it's not a course that he likes. The other thing I worry about is the emotion of mm. last week now do i think he has the game to contend yeah absolutely yeah but we saw so we yeah we saw it and i think that can happen again the way he's hitting the ball but i just wonder if that second nine on sunday has brought has raised questions in his mind and that's a that's a real concern for me if, if he's wondering what his level of success is going to be um, based on you know the shots coming down the stretch then all of a sudden we got we have an issue it just takes a lot out of you it's a it's a tough defeat, and I know that's going to stick with him for a while because he's a competitor, and it should. Um, so uh, I I'm not sure that this is a great 
spot for him. Buy or sell, see ya, on Russell Henley. Oh, it's a sell for me. Uh, it probably would have been a sell regardless, but because of this 9K range, I, I just th- there's just no way I'm getting to Russell Henley. Fair enough. I think I'm in lockstep with that. Yeah, there's just other guys. I like Russ. There's other guys. Hasn't been, hasn't been good here at all. We're going to go down to the 8K range. Then the sevens, then of course, the value in the $6,000 range. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. All right, this $8,000 range starts with Cameron Tregale, Patrick Reed, Christian Bezaden-Hode. The middle of it is Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler. I'll do the drop for you. Alex Ricky Fowler. (laughs) Thank you much. Siwoo Kim, Carlos Ortiz, Johnny Vegas, CH3, Charles Howell III, and Luke List. Seal, we'll start here with you. I think there is a significant drop-off from the nines to the eights. Nothing against these guys. I can find a couple of plays I'm mildly interested in, but that was a pretty significant drop for me. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And this is a range in the lineups I already made where I kind of skipped it for the most part. I might have I might have just flirted with a few of the guys that I'm going to mention, but I mainly skipped it. And I, I do want to mention, I think a lot of people will kind of grab onto the rationale that we talked about at the front of the end of the show, at least that I talked about with respect to stars and scrubs and taking chances. I think typically people equate taking chances with, you know, taking guys in the lower ranges. I suppose if you want to get a different type of lineup build, you stack this range. Cause I don't think there's going to be a lot of lineups that are going to have two or three guys. That, in the that's range. interesting. That's so interesting. It's def- it's definitely something to consider. With that said, there's only a few guys I like. Justin Rose, surprisingly, is one of them. If you are looking mm. for a flat-out score, and I'm talking about surprised. DK points, birdie or better, this is a guy that really should be on your radar. Now, the ball striking isn't necessarily there, but he is a score. And again, we're getting a guaranteed three rounds. I think this has some merit to it. Yeah, he's gained, gained draft games points to the field and 66% of his rounds. We're kind of looking at his results here. T12 at the RSM, T9 at the Hero. I will say this is a much better statistical profile than he had a lot of times in the summer. Like PGA Championship, he gains 11 strokes putting. Next start, finish, uh, gains six with the putter to Charles Schwab. Things that are just completely unsustainable. You are seeing him at times, and we don't have all of his advanced metrics, but start to play a more well-rounded 
game of golf, right? Gain strokes across the board at Wyndham. Gain strokes across the board at the RSM Classic. That is generally a good sign, Greg, for anybody and especially Justin Rose. And I think it it fits this model, right? Where you're looking for guys who can pop. And and Justin Rose, when just you, you go back all the way to let's say Masters of last year, where it was a seventh, then uh, a, a tied eleventh in a team event, and a cut, missed cut at the Valspar, tied eighth at the PGA. There's a pop there. Tied twentieth, uh, cut. Tied thirty six. Tied forty six. T fifty four. Then a T ten. And then you know, a couple more, and all of a sudden we got a T12 and a T9 back-to-back. I do feel like Justin Rose is starting to get his game back together, and he's a really talented player. And um, I, I'm interested that he and Ricky Fowler are right next to each other in yeah. this because um, because I do have a sense that one of them is going to get their game back together at some point. It feels like Justin Rose is a little closer. Uh, we can have the Ricky Fowler conversation because I'm – probably more bullish on on Ricky this week than I have been in some time. We saw him play well at the CJ Cup uh, with the event that in Vegas that Rory McIlroy ended up winning, but Ricky Fowler was in the final group. I actually believe he had to lead heading into the final round. And you guys know I do I do the weighted strokes gained. I think it's a much better indication of strength of field and the types of golfers that you're beating. And Ricky Fowler in the last 50 is the 12th ranked player in the field. And I think Sia... That would probably surprise people. I think we just have have written off Ricky as the it's been over two years without really much of much noise from him. But we're we're starting to see an upward trajectory from him again. Uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I was just looking at I was just gazing at Hank Lebiota uh, name somewhere in the top twenty. Seventeen. Uh, yeah, there he is. <laughs> yeah, so, no, by the way, Rick, I totally agree with you, and and I, I certainly wasn't aware when you when you turn on the the weighted uh, strokes gain there. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty compelling. And again, if if you somehow manage to, to have a lineup with, let's say, Justin Rose and Ricky Fowler and one guy at the top, I think you're already different. Yeah, Rick, big... I have a question about weighted. Yeah. Is this a week where you where weighted may be less valuable than another week? It, when you when you have a field that's just really top heavy, like this one? Can you is there is there that substantial of a difference? Or does weighted signify you do better in stronger fields and do you understand my question the real answer is i probably i probably don't know you know what i mean like i don't necessarily differentiate between a really top heavy field and a field that is you know good but it's more spread out i guess really um yeah, it's a good question. I don't, I don't know how we would deploy that this week. The weighted strokes gain metrics really take into account the overall strength of field every single day that you play. So the fact that Ricky right. has a T8 at the PGA Championship and a T11 at the Memorial, that goes a long way for his weighted numbers. The fact that he finished T3 at the CJ Cup, that's an invitational event with 68 of their 70 of the top best players in the world. So it, it really, for Ricky specifically, indicates that his best finishes are in stronger fields, not necessarily saying, oh, well, now it's a weaker field. He's going to have success, if that makes sense. Right. And that's why that's why I asked the question. Does that mean if in strong fields, it's great and and all those events are, you know, really, really high profile events and the other events maybe not so great. So is there I don't know if there's something there. It, look, that's a that's a research project for a different day. But I, <laughs> I, sure. I am curious. The thing I do like about Ricky is is his recent form here, a T21 
last year and the year before that a t10 a t33 the year before i mean yeah. these are some this quality this was, this was the hinge point greg this was the hinge point he went out i believe he was the 36 hole leader in 2020 the year he finished t10 and i bet you if we go back you and i probably did a friday night round two recap and we said oh this is ricky fowler's to win here it is. It's Ricky right. Fowler's to win, and he fades to T10, and then he went like a year without another top 10. And, and this, yeah. this was the hit point. Yeah, it's a great that's a great call because he, he hadn't played the stadium course yet. I Correct. believe the stadium course came the two weekend rounds where he faded. And so I, I wonder if there's something there. Um, it's great. This year compared to last year, it's great for him that it's he only plays the stadium course twice. He's got two other rounds at La Quinta and um, uh, the Nicholas course, which I know he does very well at. So stadium course worries me slightly, but maybe he can answer it. So I, I think Ricky and Justin Rose are my the guys that really pique my interest the most here. Wow. We're going with uh, Rose and Ricky. A couple of guys who got yeah, I like a thousand rounds under their belt. I, got, I don't blame you. I see who else in this range. You know, Patrick Reed holds the tournament scoring record here uh cameron tringale has everything but a victory in his last 100 rounds or his last couple of years who else might be worth a click or two yeah patrick reed's interesting i mean the recent history certainly hasn't been that great here the 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 two guys that i like beyond of course justin rose and honestly you've sort of convinced me about ricky fowler so one is one is Luke List. That's a guy I'm normally on. I think he's going to yeah. be a little bit popular yeah. because the price range is right for him, considering his ball striking. Uh, he is a little bit of you know Kyle Stanley ish, however, so <laughs> it's kind of one of those things to consider. Although Kyle Stanley had a great week last week, by the way, but yeah, that's that's that has Kyle Stanley's Luke, earmarks. Luke all List might wish he was Kyle Stanley. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know which one of them. I'll I'll look in a second. Like who's actually a worse putter? It's but Kyle like, Stanley. It's, Kyle Stanley's really? worse. Yes, but but Luke List is better around the greens too. True. Yeah. Oh, Luke right. List I mean, is Luke List T T two green is elite. He is just yeah. horrendous on the putting surfaces. Kyle Stanley has two two glaring red columns when when you uh, look at him, that's, and that's around the green is included in that. Kyle yeah, Stanley, Luke List. Uh, hold on, let's go to the raw data. I don't want people to think that my that my calculations are are really. I'm just going to say whatever the PGA Tour says. So List and Stanley, and how many rounds do we want to go? <laughs> Last 100. Luke List yeah, is a on, slightly slightly better putter. 0. 0.6 he loses per round. Kyle Stanley loses 0. 0.74 per round. Per and round. you see the difference around the green too. That's the that's the Huge. big notable yeah. for me. Yeah, it's like a quarter of a stroke. Last 50, let's see. Has Kyle Stanley been better? Same deal. He's been worse. So no. Oh boy. Oh my God. Last 40 pains okay. me. It's, it's it's getting ugly. It's getting ugly. <laughs> I gotta I gotta get out of here. Last week wasn't any better, by the way. <laughs> it was actually worse. You thought did see it? Did you think it was gonna be better? Or was that playful? You what, you like you love Kyle Stanley. I I right? love Kyle Stanley. Um, I, I'm just waiting. I I, I feel like you, when you're striking the ball that well, at some point you're going to have a good putting day. Clearly, I've been wrong, but at some <sighs> point, I mean, last week if he had a decent putting day, he he'd have been there with Hideki and, and Russell Henley down the street. I'm ju- I'm just warning you as a Kyle Stanley fan. Yes. Um, um it, well documented. There's no gar- There is no guarantee that it's going to get better just because yeah, he fair. fits in the team no putt category. He's proved you, over a long period of time that it's, it, I mean, it's not like Max Homa where every six weeks he puts well. Yeah. It's like maybe every six years. 
yeah, no, we have a big enough sample for, size. If you're waiting for Kyle Stanley to find a positive putting week, you might be waiting a long time. Yeah, <laughs> so, and, okay, and so. if he, like, what do you do? Are you going to be early on it? Or I, I, you just missed. You, you yeah. just missed the Kyle Stanley boat altogether. I'm I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Um, okay, so here's a, here's another comparison for my for my last guy that I like in the eight sure. range. I I bet you at 8100 if you pull up Jonathan Vegas's numbers they look uh, a lot like Taylor Gooch's numbers and uh, to me he's Taylor Gooch light and it's, it's a nice discount all right let's look i'll Go be surprised 50 by this oh okay hold on we'll, we'll here we'll look through it oh okay his logs are pretty green played well at the RS i mean he's always very very good off the tee right um always. That's, that's that's his strength and then he kind of gets you know not a little bit worse the closer he gets to the green but yeah this is a pretty good stretch of golf here see he's piled up a bunch of top 20s finished runner up at the 3m this is this is uh this is better than i anticipated it being yeah i mean i think at 8100 uh he, he's and by the way he fits sort of the scoring model too in terms of dk points or well let's say ball striking but but birdie or better he's obviously going to be up there somewhere near the top 10 in fact last 50 rounds Birdie or better gained, he's number two in this field. Uh, number five in DK points and number 10 in ball striking. 8,100. Yeah. Last 50 rounds, he's the 15th best player in the field. Taylor Gooch is eighth. Vegas is better off the tee. Gooch is better on approach. They are, uh, Gooch is a little bit better around the greens and they're both similar putters. That's not bad. Not bad, Sia. Good call. Can I get out of this range yet? Or Greg, do you have another? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. All right, seven thousands. I actually think there's a lot of names here that we can go through. It starts with uh, Greg's client, Adam Hadwin, and uh, man who has shot a fifty nine at this event, uh, seventy nine hundred with Brian Harmon. It goes all the way down to oh boy, my god, there's a million names in this list. Adam Shank, Adam Svensson, hmm, Francesco Molinari, Scott Piercy, Taylor Pendrith, Martin Laird. That's the seven thousand dollar flat range. So, Greg, uh, do you just want to do the Adam Hadwin rant now, or do you want to start with somebody else? Oh, Adam Hadwin has just disappointed me a little bit. And and the reason is, if you look, he's almost like, it's not as strong as this, okay? But it's almost like the opposite of the team no putt, right? He's been putting great. But on, on the other side, where I thought he was really going to improve, it just hasn't taken hold. And I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. And so now I'm kind of at a point where I'm I'm just off of it. Like he he is a little bit of a desert fox. He can play pretty well in the yeah. desert, but I'm I'm not ready to go there. So um yeah, I'm I'm gonna sadly pass on him. Um, but the guy that I do like, I, I'm interested a little bit in Adam Long, but I really I, I think Michael Thompson. After what I saw last week, I'm I'm yeah. really impressed with him, and I think this is a great fit. What yeah, are your thoughts? Uh, he gained. He was like third. Uh, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think he was like third in the field in strokes gained approach last week. He finished T five. He's had a couple yeah. of pops recently. How much is he? He's seventy five hundred, I believe. Yeah, yeah he's right oh, here. Yeah. He's finished fifth here last year, ninth two years ago. I'm I'm with you, Adam. Or excuse me. Yeah. Well, I like Adam Long as well. I'll get to that in a second. But Michael Thompson uh keep the beard michael right the beard is and do you guys find the beard to be a little out of place it doesn't seem to fit him like cam smith the mullet and cam smith they go very well together but michael my vision of michael thompson is this well put together very you know very uh, clean cut very clean cut that's the perfect way to say it and i think we might be looking at the real michael thompson though with the beard 
it's like a, it's like a, a savage beast version of him it's <laughs> it's like his alter ego yeah he like right. feels like a different guy i love it so I'm, maybe I'm, he can change his brand for me um but it, it's a, a little strange to me just because of who who i what my perception was and now what i see they, they don't go along but i love what he's been doing with the golf club in his hand so I, yeah he's my top choice in this range believe it or not i don't particularly mind it. Sia, the $7,000 range full of great options, in my opinion. Where are you headed? Yeah, first of all, I love Michael Thompson as well. I think he'll be a little popular, but this is such a gigantic field in the 7K range that he's not going to be like prohibitively like 50 popular. 50 guys in it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Huge range. Uh, a couple other guys I like... Um, Smalley, I think, is interesting. I think he'll be so. There's two guys at 7,200. One's going to be popular, Hayden Buckley. I actually played Hayden Buckley in, in my biggest single entry last week, and I thought I was just going to crush the field with him at 2%. But of course, that lineup had Abraham Answer and Mark Hubbard in it. So I did oh. not. But Buckley's been really good. He's played six PGA tourney, tournaments in a row. He hasn't lost ball striking in any of them. Um, actually gained in ball striking pretty tremendously in all of them. And uh, the putter is very good too. There's really not much other than a lack of a yeah. sample size. There's not much not to like about Hayden Buckley. <laughs> other than a lack of sample size. I like that. No, you're right. He's been phenomenal. He's been great. T to green. He's been awesome. All the ball striking categories. He's putted well. Um, if he continues this, he's going to have a very lucrative season. So I think the other guy um, is sort of in that range is, is Smalley. Uh, he, he, he missed the cut last week, but he strikes the ball really well. He can also pop with the putter. I think it's an interesting maybe pivot off of Hayden Buckley. I don't think there's going to be much ownership at all with, uh, with Smalley. Obviously, the putter is an issue. I've got, I've got two guys. One is Adam Long. We've kind of alluded to him here. He is now, Greg, I tweeted this out a little bit earlier, in an unbelievable – streak of of results we have now gone 29 count them 29 consecutive starts for adam long in which he has done one of two things he has either a missed the cut or b earned a top 30 finish nothing in between i'm not kidding nothing in between in his last 29 starts that's like kind of valuable and in his last five He's got four of the good results, four top 25s in his last five. He did miss the cut at the Sony Open. Oh, by the way, he won this event before. Yeah, I really like that aspect. I love the MLB logo. I love uh, it. And, Elite, yeah. elite sponsorship. And I, I like what he does with putting. And when you get on a, a golf course like this, the, the thing that really stands out is the, the red column of approach numbers. And, and that's the concern. But these are the kind of events where a guy like Adam Long pops up and contends to win because the ball striking demands are a little less. And he, he drives it fine. He drives it fine. So we can get it. You got to get it in play. If you're spraying it off the tee, yeah, you can get accurate. into some real trouble. He's sure. accurate, which is great. Yeah. And so when you're struggling with approach game, the the difficulty isn't as high because there's no wind. A lot of the lies are at least from what I've heard, they're a little flatter and, and it, it can become a putting contest, a wedge fest and a putting contest as they say. And so every once in a while, a guy like this will really pop and really contend and can challenge a John Rahm or, um, or, or Patrick Cantlay or something like that, where it becomes a putting contest. And I love what he's done on the greens. So, um, yeah, sign me up for, for Adam Long. I think he was 500 to one when he won this. Does that sound about right? It yeah, it does. He was, was five hundred. Uh, he was uh, a long shot. 
Okay. A long shot. No, that took a while. Twitter, I, that's I, his Twitter I, handle too. A long is shot. It? I'm pretty sure. I'll look it up. Adam Long on Twitter. Adam Long. A long shot. Boom. Yeah, perfect. Great. I'd love Twitter. to see it. Didn't Long come off of like seven missed cuts? One, then proceeded to also miss like seven missed cuts again at this uh, event. Like in the in the lead up to winning this event. I remember that's that's like the Martin Trainer uh, approach, isn't it? Or yeah. the Michael Kim, Kim approach. So, yeah, Michael Kim. All right, yeah. Here we go. So before his win at what was called the Desert Classic, he missed seven of eight cuts leading into it. One, then missed his next five cuts, then finished T ten at the API. Popper, popper baby. <laughs> uh, the other guy in this range. His name is Taylor Moore, and he's another one of Ooh. these guys that is coming on up here from the Corn Ferry. And what I've seen from Taylor Moore, look, look at his Corn Ferry results here, Sia. He had he was dominant last year on the Corn Ferry tour. He wow. was winning. He was piling up top tens. He even did it in their basically in their playoffs, right? Boise nationwide. When you get down towards the end of the Corn Ferry season, those fields get stronger. Uh, then he's played a handful of events. This year, he's got a T-17 at Sanderson, T-24 at Shriners, T-8 at the RSM, drives it well. He could hit his approaches better, but he's a pretty decent putter. Like I'm, I just like guys that when you put them in a field with 140 others, they find their way towards the top. I don't really care what that field is. Yeah, no, this, this is pretty compelling. I mean, the fact, I mean, the fact that he was that good on the Corn Ferry Tour last summer is actually – I don't know that anybody was that good on the Corn Ferry Tour during that stretch. I mean, that's that's absurd. Maybe Mito Pereira. <laughs> yeah, well, Mito actually actually won, and then he didn't have to play on the Corn Ferry anymore. But, yeah, this is like the best you can do without getting the Battlefield promotion. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's really impressive. I like that. Uh, all right. Let's go down to the $6,000 range. And if you thought the drop-off from 9 to 8 was big, the drop-off from eh, – it's not as bad. So Dylan Will, friend of the pot, Brant Snedeker, Henrik Norlander, Nick Hardy, Rory Sabatini, Wyndham Clark are 6900 The min-price golfers this week – been waiting all, all day for this. Oh, how about this? Davis Love the third is in this field. He's min-priced. Uh, John Pock, who won the PGA Tour U, right? Wasn't he the number one guy at a PGA Tour? Mm, yes, at a Florida State. Florida State guy. Yep. Yeah. Also, Mark Wilson. I guess he's not on the call mm. for PGA Tour Live. He's teeing it up. He's six thousand bucks. Wow. All right. And TJ Vogel. He's the uh, he's the Monday qualifier king, right? Yes, that's exactly he's, right, dude. I got. I've got it's one. Different. I'm like one little bit of nugget Rick's on everybody in the field. That's, yeah, that's how I roll. Well, I like think that? I have a pretty good idea where C is going to go in this range. Oh, yeah. You, you must be thinking of Hank Leviota. But yeah. you did pass it, Rick. You did pass over uh, Paul Barjan's name at 6,100. I actually think that's a pretty decent play if you're going stars and scrubs. Made, made the cut again last week? Yeah. Yeah. 6,100. Again, he's like historically, he's just been priced, you know, a few hundred bucks or at least five he's to 600 bucks less than he should. Literally the most mispriced golfer in the last six months of PGA tour golf, but he's like, he's not good enough for it to matter. Right. Like, it's right. not like you're getting John Rahm at 15 to one or 20 to one to win tournaments. You're getting Paul Barjan at 500 to one when he should be a hundred to one. And it still doesn't matter. Cause he still should probably be a hundred to one. So it's kind of frustrating, but at the same time, yeah, he's like d- darn near min price. He makes the cut. You're, you're good to go. 
Yeah, so I like him. I mean, in the 6K range, you're right. There, there's not a ton to like. I do like Hank Lebiota. I mean, I'm not exactly sure where the form went relative to, you know, the middle of last year, but I certainly think he has the upside to score a ton uh, on these three tracks. So he's a guy I'm looking at, Hudson Swafford, Nick Taylor. Right. I believe he has a pretty good history here, and he's also a really good course fit. Tyler Duncan, he had a really bad day two last week, and he, he his day one was great. Yeah. I, I don't he know went, what happened. He went like 6475 or something to open up last week. Yeah. It was it was crazy. But again, I mean history here obviously isn't great, but you know, he's he's making cuts. There's something to be said for that. Tyler Duncan historically he can't really put four rounds together. So I, maybe I'll just go ahead and take that one back. Jim Herman's down there. I think he was another guy that had like one good day and one bad day last week. I always think Herman's a little, you know, mispriced, but that's just me. I think I just love his 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 Twitter his twittering. Um, not much to like down here. I think Dylan Wu, Lebiota, Swafford, Nick Taylor. Yeah. Those are probably my favorites. Swafford's won this event. Dylan Wu's probably my favorite. The advanced metrics from last week were really good. He won on the Corn Ferry last late summer. I mean, it's he's he's proving himself to be a, a pretty talented professional golfer. I'm, I'm interested to see where his career goes. He's sixty nine hundred bucks, Greg. Can you offer can you offer some value to this conversation, please? Well, I want to first go back to a seven K guy. I want to quickly mention <laughs> sure. Adam Spenson. Oh um, yes, that's a, I'm glad you I, did I just, this. I think he, if you're getting close, you can't quite dip into the six K range. I think he's a, a great option. Um, so I'm sorry to I'm sorry to backtrack. No, but he's close right. enough. Right? He's he's very well regarded amongst his peers. Adam Spenson yes. is. You know, and and he had a he had a win on the Corn Ferry, had a couple of high finishes, just was unbelievable on approach last week. He's he's a very talented golfer. And on Thursday, uh, a friend of mine, very very well respected and trusted source, had played a little golf with him in Florida, and said it was. I mean, he said this on like Thursday afternoon. So I was, we hadn't been watching the, we had no idea what was going on and if he was even on the course. And he said, um, next time in, in your fan, watch out for Adam Svensson this year. He's, I, I, we played with him and it was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. And lo and behold, you never know what that really means because all these guys are impressive when you watch them in a round like that. But then he goes out and shoots T7, uh, finishes T7. I, so I really I really like that aspect. Um, and and I, I like that it's his second week in a row. I, I think that's a big advantage as well. Producer Jacob makes the great point because you know who's on the bag, Greg? You know who's on the bag for Adam Svensson? Who's that? Tim Tucker. Bryson DeChambeau's oh, yeah. old caddy. Now, if you're Tim Tucker and you were just on the bag of a top 10 player in the world, you don't go looping for scrubs. So no. they... They see something in Svensson and Ted Scott, Bubba Watson's old caddy, also looped for him in the fall portion of the schedule. I mean, the, they're they're seeing something, and that that is important in our game. I I, I totally agree. Um, so anyway, a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons to be high on uh, on Adam Svensson. Um, another guy I could take a chance on, Chad Ramey, missed the cut in his last three events. Doesn't yeah. look great, but he's been a really nice ball striker, really nice approach player. Um, gained strokes in, in the two rounds that he played while missing the cut at the Sony, which is maybe a little concerning, but um, I, I could I could go that way. Um, I don't really like where Harry Higgs has been. So that's been a little disappointing. Um, I'm 
partial to a to a Cam Young and and Lexia, Hank Lebiota, but I tell you, there there's just not a lot to really hang your hat on in this range. There's a lot of red, a lot of miscuts, a lot yeah. of poor form. It feels like you're guessing. I mean, do you go to like an like a like an Andrew Landry kind of guy who just pop? But it just feels like a blind a blind guess. I hate this range and it stinks to you because I would have like, I want to pay up right. And with paying up and then trying to be in the $9,000 range, it, you, you got to kind of find something down here. And I'm about, not so sure there's much to find. Sorry. What about Duffner? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't mind check, Duffner. Check, I mean, check it, out Duffner. It's, I mean, it's interesting to me. I wonder, I wonder if he has something, I mean, I know that, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. The result, the finishes aren't, but I'm wondering if if he's putting a little more focus into his game. Yeah. So he's gained strokes off the tee every event, uh, dating back to the rocket mortgage. He's gained strokes on the, on approach in most of those. I'll tell you what, if you sign me up for a T24, like he had at the Wyndham championship, uh, if you sign me up for that right now, with Jason Duffner, I would uh, sprint and take it. If it gets you is, John Rahm in your lineup, right? Yeah, exactly. Because he's sixty six hundred, and and I think he has the potential to show up and flag it for a for a week. But I mean, it, look, it's high risk. But this is this is the the world we live in in the in the six. He's, he's won this event before. Yeah, I forgot about that. This event has – is this the event with the oh. most name changes? It has to be. The American Express, the Desert Classic, the Career Builder, the Humana, the Bob Hope. The Bob Hope, Greg, when did they stop – it used to be five rounds. Could you imagine doing five rounds? Yeah. I, I'm not sure when they switched it. I'll look it, it up. The, the things – this tournament changes so much, right? It's been five rounds. It's been played at three courses. It's been played at two. It's been I, – I just, I, I just feel like I can't keep track. Maybe it's only changed the number of uh, of courses once. Maybe it's always been at three, but um, that it, it was definitely five rounds when David Duvall shot. 59. Yeah. So 2012 was the first year they went to 72 holes. So that means these results from Duffner, 2011, 2010, 2009, 2007 were five rounds of that. Do they start it on Wednesday? Then they went Wednesday to Sunday. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they would have uh, gone uh, to Monday. But hey, that's, that's a little before my. Oh, I was going to say, I, I was gonna I'm say, wildly you, speculating here. <laughs> do you guys know who Bob Hope is? He, Isn't he an actor? Me, yeah. Well, kind of, yeah. He was, I think he was more a comedian than an actor. But when I was young, he was like a thing. I'm older than both of you, clearly. Uh, so anyway, he was he was really famous. He hosted a lot of like telethons and, and things like that. But very, very famous comedian. I think he did a lot. I, I might be out of turn here. I think he did a lot like going overseas and speaking to the, the troops and things of that nature as well. Um, yes. Real quick, a couple of guys in the low 6K range, if you have to go that low, if you have to go to like 6,400, 6,200, you're looking for scores. A couple of guys that pop in the last 50 rounds in terms of DK points or, you know, birdie or better, Chesson Hadley, Brandon Hagee. I think those are a couple of guys, again, if you have to dip that low, other than the guys we've already talked about, I think those two guys have shown that they can score. Peggy was, uh, do not quote me on this, but I think he was the first round leader last year. I will have to look that up. And then Chesson Hadley, does that sound right? 
It does. I remember him being in uh, in contention at one of these early events. I can't put my finger on it exactly, but I did see uh, uh, an Instagram post that Chesson Hadley, and he said, "Feeling good about my game." So that's got to that's got to. <laughs> that's all something. I need. Yeah. So, yeah. Check the box. Let's go. He's feeling good. All um, right, but love Chesson. Huge fan. Bob Hope. What year do you think he was born, Sia? I'm going to go with 1911. Wow. Mm. So you think he's really old? Yes. I was going to guess nine. I was going to guess 1918. Wow. Yeah. He was actually born in 1903. Really old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I pulled a fast one on you guys there. So he lived until 2003, 100 years old. Lived to be 100. He's got a, I mean, the wiki page is, is quite extensive. Film, broadcasting, television specials, oh, theater, yeah. USO involvement, sports car racing, all the things that Sia mentioned. Wow. Yeah, a professional celebrity, no question. Learn something new uh, every day, I suppose. Hey, hey, I got something new for you guys. Please. Before we end, before we end the show. Uh, this is the best time. The American Express is my one-year anniversary of being on the first cup. You guys forgot. Really? No, no cake, no card. Happy we were we were ready to tell it. We, we were we saving it for the end of Surprise. the show. I was just no, I always do that. Happy anniversary, oh, see ya. Oh, thank you so yeah. much. Wow, I'm blushing. This is too much. I didn't expect any of this. <laughs> <laughs> see, he we was had the that prepared. You were right. yeah. yeah. Wow, we had it prepared. Wow, it's been a year. Congratulations. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's it's been a blast. I can't wait to. Uh, win some money uh, in DraftKings this weekend and every weekend here on after. I like, I like it. it. Uh, all right. That'll do it for the DFS preview for this week's American Express. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad and his one-year anniversary, you can congratulate him on Twitter at Sia Najad. You can find Greg Ducharme. He's available at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.